0: For those who have been asking, Shannon, when are they going to let you preach? Well, here you are. (laughs) Be careful what you ask for. (laughs) For those who have never asked that question, just know I'm secretly judging you right now. It's happening. (laughs) Judgment of heart. And if that offends you, let Paul know about it. Uh, You can email him at brianberger at (laughs) az.com. No, it's just really good to be with you all. Um, I'm, I'm extremely excited for this opportunity, and most importantly, um, I'm super thankful. That, like What you're going to hear this morning is a heart of gratitude of how thankful I am to be a part of such an amazing church. So before we get into our study, I got a I quick uh, exercise for us. How many of you have ever been, like, you're, you're watching TV, driving around town, whatever, you see... Uh, companies that have these logos and after a while you notice that there's a logo within the logo you've probably seen this a hundred billion times so I got a couple examples of what I'm talking about so FedEx so if you see the FedEx sign if you look closely in between the E and the X you'll see that there's an arrow pointing to the right how many of us knew that that's kind of new right for some maybe now I don't know this about uh, FedEx but here's what I kind of Came up with a, a, a little slogan for them. The arrow is pointing to the right because they have the right package for you delivered at the right address at the right price. Now, I don't know if that's true about them. That's just something that I kind of <laughs> made up for at FedEx. So uh, the next, next uh, example, are Hershey's Kisses. So Hershey's Kisses, if you look in between the K and the I, you would see that there's a, a Hershey's Kiss embedded into Oh, yeah, like, ah. <laughs> Last one, last one. Um, this is probably one of my favorites, Wendy's. If, if you notice under her collar, it spells the word mom, M-O-M. How many of us have never known that? How many of us, this first time today? Yeah, yeah, that's great. Join the party. So as I was thinking about... These signs and these different things that we see within our, our culture, within society. Once you've seen these signs, you can't unsee them. And the, and the point of this exercise is this. Those companies, those, those signs within a sign, they, they actually point to more characteristics of what those companies have to offer. And, and that's what the Gospel of John is doing. It's, it's giving us a glimpse more characteristics of God the Father through the Son, Jesus Christ. And, and all the, the point of all of what we're talking about today, what we're talking about in God's word comes from John chapter, chapter 20, verse 31, which says this. And if you don't have your Bibles, uh, that's okay. It's going to be on the screen. But John chapter, chapter 20, verse 30 says this. It's the purpose of all of this. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. And church, I I have I have a confession I have an agenda this morning. Most preachers, they they don't like to share that they have an agenda. Well, I do. I have an agenda. And I don't know if I'll ever get this opportunity again. And my agenda is simply this, that every heart in this room will be moved closer to the person of Jesus. Nothing more, nothing less. That you would leave here seeing and savoring Jesus. And as we take a look at how the hour has come, in our section today, there's going to be a sign for the Son of Man to be glorified. So, I have three observations from this text that we're gonna we're gonna take a look at together, and then we're gonna deal with our so what's at the end. Three observations that I have that reveals more of Christ's mission in this in this biblical story starts with Christ's mission having a purpose. His mission has a purpose. Secondly, Christ's mission comes with a price. And thirdly, Christ's mission calls us to participate. And we're going to get into those, uh, those things at the end. But here's the deal. Let's pray. We're going to ask for the Spirit's witness at this moment. And there's two things that I want us to pray for. The first one is this, that God will open our eyes to more of what he's doing within creation. That we have eyes to see of the beauty and what he's doing within his creation. And number two that he would remove anything from our hearts that doesn't belong. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your love and your compassion and grace towards us. Thank you for what you're doing in the midst of our time here. And Father, I do ask that you would reveal to us more of what you're doing throughout your creation. And Father, I ask that you will remove anything that is not of you, anything that blocks us. From moving closer to you. For those in the room who don't know you yet, God, would you draw them into yourself? And and now I want to ask that you would pray, give some some space for you to pray the same prayer. That God would open your eyes and that he would remove, remove anything that is not of him. Father, we thank you for this moment, and we ask, again, that your spirit would be very present with us, and that we would be moved closer to your, your heartbeat. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you will, turn with me to John, John 12, 20 through 22, and we're going to be taking our first look at the observation of Christ's mission having a purpose. It says this, now, there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival, They came to Philip, who was from Aesthetia in Galilee with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to Andrew. Andrew and Philip, in turn, told Jesus. So last week, Paul Artino preached about the triumphant entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. We call that Palm Sunday. And in his triumphant entry... In verse 19, there were some Pharisees that were, they were grumbling amongst each other because the whole world had gone after him is what they were grumbling and complaining about. Well, in verse 20, their grumbling turns into reality when these Greeks request to see Jesus. Now, this, this statement, I got, I got a sidebar real quick. Paul has said this, Artino, a number of times from this stage like when we when we come and when we gather and when those of you online when you when you click on the link to watch a service we don't want you to walk away going man the, the worship was great because we do believe it's great we don't want you going man that preacher the normal communicator Artino wonderful wonderful message even in tight pants like that that's all that's great right It's wonderful. The guest services are amazing, immaculate. There's not a frown on the the campus. All of that is a shaping method of pointing you to Jesus. We want you all leaving here seeing Jesus. And these Greeks, who are also referred to as God-fearing Gentiles. Gentiles is just another word to describe non-Jewish individuals. These Greeks are a representation of, the, of what's to come. They're a taste of what's to come. And the purpose of Christ's mission is to gather all nations unto himself as one family. Listen at what the Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, 14 and 15. It says this, For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one. He has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its demands and commands and regulations. Now, if you've got, if you got a, a, a Bible that you can actually hold, this would be great to, to underline here because it talks about his purpose. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two groups, thus making peace. And if I can speak from the heart real quick, I know right now in our country and in our, in our culture, it feels like what God has torn down, we're trying to resurrect. That wall of hostility feels like it's growing by the day. And, and as the believers in, of the body of Christ, our job is to represent the torn down wall. And make no mistake about it, ladies and gentlemen, we serve a God of the impossible. His will is going to come to pass. Revelation seven, nine, and ten, which is the young adults' ministry, Paul was referring to. That this is our our, our message, our 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 uh, verse that we we the the, the young adults' ministry uh, thrives from, and it says this. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe people and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. If you're, if you're taking notes, write this down. Our cultural identity is not called to submit to nothing else but Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's a clapping point. We're not called to lose our cultural identity, we're called, our cultural identity is called to submit under the lordship of Jesus Christ. My Floridian, suited and booted wearing self, suited and booted translation is matching. You're welcome for that, Tyler. sweet tea drinking, like, that that's who I am. It's not called to submit to our worship leader who likes to drink soda water with a lemon twist, Birkenstocks and socks. Like, that's not, our cultures don't kind of, they kind of clash in that regard. But when it comes to what points us and what draws us and what connects us, it's Jesus Christ. Our culture's They submit under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's read verse 22. Jesus then replied. Well, first, he went to tell Andrew, and Andrew and Philip then told Jesus, and Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. So most commentaries, they, they point out this interesting detail of how these Greeks, they share this commonality with Philip and Andrew because Philip, is actually a Greek name, and they're both Philip and Andrew are from the same city as these Greeks who are requesting to see Jesus. And Paul stole my thunder, Godly. God bless you, brother, wherever you are. I know you're watching. The lens of commonality of having a shared experience is one of those bridges that we that we underutilize. And here's what I mean by that, because Paul he he said in his introduction the reason that I'm a pastor at Redemption Gilbert today, the reason that I can say uh, 1,000% that I was able to graduate with a missional degree is because of my connection with Paul. Now, that, that, that connection and that relationship took 14 years to, to, uh, <laughs> to really get off the ground, but nevertheless, I'm here as a, as a pastor, as a, as, a, as a leader, as a shepherd, Because of Paul Artino, because of his, our connections that we had with Tallahassee. So when I say, Paul, remember the days where we go to Guthrie's on West Tennessee Street? There's only like six people in here that knows exactly what I'm talking about. Everybody else is like, Guthrie's, what is that? The point is, that commonality has helped shape me as a leader. That commonality has allowed me to see Jesus in a more robust way. That commonality has allowed me as a follower of Jesus Christ to see the beauty and the breadth and the wealth of the gospel more deeply, more beautiful than I've ever seen before. And that's what is happening in this section. These Greeks who share this commonality with Philip and Andrew, this is the decisive turning point of Christ's mission of gathering in all the nations unto himself. And these Greeks' request of seeing Jesus is one of those hidden signs that we were talking about earlier. It's one of those hidden signs that his hour has come. But here's the deal. It's going to cost him everything. Let's look at 23. 23. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Let's do this for a second. Let's, let's stop and let's place ourselves in this story. These Greeks have traveled 78 miles. That's how long it is from uh, Galilee to Jerusalem. Seventy eight miles. So for us that are from this area, it would be like walking from here to Hiliben. In the summer, in the desert, somebody just asked, where's that? Okay, so if you're going to San Diego, (laughs) you're going to have to go through Hiliben. And these Greeks have heard there's a dude that has just raised a man from the dead, Put yourself in the story. You've heard that he has healed a blind man. You've heard that he he fed five thousand people with a Jewish lunchable. (laughs) And the only thing you want to do is just go see and, 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 and get a glimpse of who is this guy? And when you finally get within a a ears shout, you hear him start talking about wheat thins. (laughs) The stuff that wheat thins are made of. He starts talking about farming techniques. Like, wait, what? I'm I'm here to see you do something. I'm I'm here to see and and, and hear you speak in a way that we've heard for years and and, and months. We're ready to see, we're ready to, to get a glimpse. And he shares with them a farming technique. Here's how one theologian puts it. He said, our Lord would have them know that that he would come to carry a cross, not to wear a crown made of gold. He came not to live a life of luxury, of ease and magnificence. No, he came to die a shameful and dishonoring death. The kingdom that he came to set up was to be set up through a crucifixion, not a coronation. For those unfamiliar with the coronation, it's a familiar term that you can, if you watch the movie Frozen, you can get a better idea of what was happening there. It's a ceremony that the next king or queen, when they're crowned, there's a huge celebration and they take all, I don't know how long this, this celebration lasts or this ceremony lasts. But it's in order for this king or this queen who's ever going to be taking their, that step into that new role for them to be honored by everyone. And what Jesus is sharing here is that he didn't come to receive a crown in that way. He didn't come to be crowned king in that manner. No, his, his manner was going to be in a different method of dying and rising. So if you're taking notes, write this down. A seed cannot produce life without first dying. There's some of us that are looking for things in our life to take life that hasn't died yet. Listen to these numbers. One bushel of wheat can yield up to approximately 42 pounds of white flour. Now, this is enough to make 1,500 loaves of bread. Now, I'm a bread eater, so this is my language. I, I love sandwiches, and I love all kinds of different things, as my family can attest. A family of four can live off of bread, wheat, that is, uh, that is farmed on an acre of land. A family of four can live off of that for two years, approximately. There's a, there's a man by the name of Norman Borlaug. His name is Norman E. Borlaug. He won a Nobel Peace Prize in 1970. Yeah, let's put a picture up of old Norm. I got a I got a packet of Skittles and $2, say that brother is in the Midwest. I don't know why, but <laughs> I just feel it. I just feel it. Well, well, here's, here's why we're 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 we got old Norm up on the screen. Norm developed a disease-resistant strain of wheat that was used to save millions of lives. There was a famine in the 60s in India and Pakistan, and this seed harvested six times more than what they've ever had in their harvesting time. Now, here's the connection here. Jesus, in John 6:35, he claims to be the bread of life. And now we see that he's the one not only who, who authors life, but he's the one who sustains it. He's, he's authoring new life because he is the bread of life. And then he's the one who sustains it by saying, hey, listen, I'm, I got to go die so that you can have new life in me. First Peter 2.24 says this. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might be to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. In 2 Corinthians 5.21 God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Around here, we call this, we call this uh, the J-curve. And the J-curve is simply dying to self and rising with Christ. By the way, this is a wonderful book for you to go pick up from Paul Miller. Wonderful lesson on what it means to die to self Rise with Christ, and there's no better example of someone in, in my own personal life who dies to self on a regular basis than my wife. My wife, um, she's she's an incredible baker. She loves to bake goods, and I love to eat goods. So that combination just it just works. <laughs> but she, there were times she would bake. Cakes and and pies and stuff for people that she's never met. And and this would often often be like a whole full day labor of love kind of deal. So from some small moments like that to there was a season we didn't know if we was going to have babies. When she was pregnant with my daughter, with our daughter, Sunia, she, she was on bed rest for six months. And then with our son, the entire time. Dying to self in order to bring new life. No greater example. In the life of the Jesus follower, it's full of these, is this even worth it moments. And I know a lot of y'all can attest to that. Is this even worth it? Is it worth having another conversation with that family member that you know ain't going to get it? Is this worth filling out this this job application? Is this really worth it? Is it worth being ridiculed, mocked? Is this really worth it? And I'm here to tell you, my brothers and sisters, those who are in the body of Christ, dying to self is the most humbling and the most precious format of embodying Christ that you can ever perform Jesus was not in the garden saying to himself I cannot wait for the cat of nine tails this is going to be great I can't wait for the crown of thorns to be placed on my head I can't wait no he was saying father let this cup pass from me but not my will your will be done not my will is one of the greatest phrases that you can hold on to, my brothers and sisters. And this leads me to my final observation of why we need this daily reminder to our call to participate in Christ's mission. Let's look at twenty, twenty-five, 25, and 26. Anyone who loves their life loses it while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant will also be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. 25 and 26, 25 in particular, it may may feel like Jesus might be doing like this double talk kind of thing. You mean I got to hate my life to to actually gain it? That seems kind of odd. And then he goes into this breakdown in 26 of what it really means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. So I just have this analogy that I, I just want to share with you, and hopefully it makes the connection. But um, for those, football season is coming up, and, and I'm excited. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think the Cardinals have a shot. I really do. They, they have a shot to be at home at the first round of the playoffs watching it. Like. <laughs> I really do. I think they got a shot. I do. But when you go to a football game, when you buy your ticket, you don't buy your ticket when you sit down on the couch to watch, watch the game. You don't sit down on the couch to watch them huddle. You don't, want, you don't, you don't pay your ticket, pay your price, go <laughs> concession stand, buy your popcorn, sit in the nosebleed or wherever you're sitting just to watch them huddle you go to watch the results of the huddle. You go to watch the coach call in a play to his team and his team execute the play. The coach in this analogy is God the Father. The players are you and I. And the play that God is wanting us to to, to run is in this playbook. And it's simply this, follow Jesus. Go after the Jesus. And there's a great cloud of witnesses cheering us on in the process, as Hebrews tells us. So as a soldier follows the orders of his general, as a sheep follows the voice of his shepherd, and as a scholar following the voice of his teacher, so does the professing Christian follow in the life of Jesus Christ. And there is no other option. So what does that mean for us in 2021? I I got four takeaways here, and then we're going to be done. Takeaways that we can use this text to apply to our lives. The first one is this. Faithfulness is not a sprint. It's a marathon. Galatians 6, 9 says this. Do not grow weary while doing good for at a proper time. You reap a harvest if you do not give up. This is a this is one of those those uh, Bible verses that comes with a promise. And speaking of promises, the second takeaway is this: a changed life changes lives. It's one of the most Schraderisms. A changed life changes lives. In John Fox's uh, Fox's Books of Martyrs. Uh, it's a list of all the, the uh, apostles and the early church leaders and followers and how they died. And, and there's a story that, that talks about Philip and Andrew, but in particularly Philip, who was, who was getting ready to be executed, and he's preaching while they're about to execute him. And, and in the middle of his execution, his, 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 uh, his executioners actually release a guy by the name of Bartholomew. Because Philip had been changed by the life of Christ. Doesn't matter what happens in our life. Doesn't matter what comes our way. We can hold on and be cemented to this this truth. That Jesus Christ is exactly who he says he is. In our lives that have been affected and have been touched by the hand of God reflects that in culture number three a promise is only as good as his promise maker in verse 26 Jesus says where my servant is I will be there also and my father will honor him my uh, my father will honor you and I those who are his So you can think of the Heisman Trophy ceremonies, you can think of the Grammys, you can think of the Oscars, you can think of all of these these ceremonies where they honor these people and multiply by a million, the type of honor that you and I will receive for those who are in Christ Jesus. And the last takeaway is this, praise God the hour has come. You see, because if we don't get the hour that Jesus has come to be crucified, if we don't get this hour, we don't get his betrayal. If we don't get his betrayal, we don't get him arrested. If we don't get Jesus arrested, we don't get him crucified. If we don't get him crucified, we don't get him resurrected. And if we don't get him resurrected, there's no salvation. Praise God, the hour has come. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your love and your compassion and grace towards us. I thank you for this moment where we get to gather and we get to be reminded, God, reminded of these truths that you are in every moment. There's nothing to be wasted through your kingdom. And Father, that every heart in this room would be moved closer to you. I pray that this next season that we enter into, God, it would be another reflection of your goodness and mercy over our lives. And we also pray, most importantly, once again, that you would continue to remove anything from our hearts that is not of you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.